Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, sister. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Blythe. Blythe Hill is the CEO and founder of the Dress Summer Foundation, which hosts an annual campaign where men and women commit to wearing a dress or tie every day in December as a way to raise awareness and money for anti-human trafficking work domestically and internationally. In five years, thousands of people have raised over $5 million U.S. dollars. Dress Sember has been featured in Forbes, InStyle Magazine, Glamour Magazine, Cosmopolitan Magazine, Relevant Magazine, and on the Today Show with Kathy Lee and Hoda. I'm so excited for you to hear a little bit of Blythe's story and her heart for empowering and standing up for women who haven't been able to stand for themselves. Let's dive into today's interview. Hey, Blythe. How are you, girl? Hey, Jordan. I am doing great. How are you? I'm so good. And I'm so excited to have you on the show and just have for, for our listeners to hear your story and get to hear from you in a more personal way. Um, some of them may be familiar with you, but can you just tell me a little about you and what you're passionate about? And we're going to just dive into so much good stuff today. Yeah. So I run a nonprofit organization called the Drift Ember Foundation, which is an anti-human trafficking nonprofit organization. And every year we have our big annual campaign where men and women commit to wearing either a dress or a tie every day during December as a way to raise money and awareness for anti-trafficking programs. Hmm. Um, And actually in the last five years, we've been able to raise over $5 million through that campaign. So it's a really fun, easy way to engage in a really horrifying injustice that's happening all around the world. And it really, you know, hits on my personal passion, which is restoring dignity to women and girls around the world. Mm. Um, And I am passionate about setting women free, um, Mm. obviously physically, but then also, you know, it just, it really grieves me when I see the sort of like mental, emotional, um, spiritual enslavement that's still kind of bogs down so many women around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly, you know, I'm on my own journey too, so I don't claim to be like free in every aspect of my life, but I'm really passionate about how we can, as women, pursue freedom. And I think that's how we were really designed to live. Yeah. 
I love that so much and resonate with it on so many different levels. I would love if you can share a little of the beginning story. I love that Dress Summer has just become so widely recognized and has making such a big impact monetarily, you know, but also in such a personal way with these women. Um, but can you share a little bit about how that got started? Was it something that you just woke up one day and you were like, oh, I'm going to do this? Or was it something that you kind of, for lack of better words, kind of stumbled into slowly? Oh, I am historically a stumbler, for sure. <laughs> oh, good. So me too. I knew we'd be I friends. Would, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to claim that, yeah, it was all this brilliant plan that I woke up with, this stroke of genius, but it was not like that at all. It was um, it was a bit funny because I started Dressember initially out of boredom as simply a personal style challenge. Hmm. So it was just fashion and fun. And honestly, I was in college. I was an English major and just buried in books and craving some sort of creative outlet. And I thought, okay, well, I have to get dressed every day. Why don't I use that as my as my creative outlet? And so I came up with the idea to try wearing a dress every day for a month. It happened to be November when I had the idea. And so I was like, okay, the next you know, the next full month I'll do this, which is December. And I love puns. And so probably the first time it left my mouth, I'm going to wear only dresses in December. I came up with the name December and I was like, oh, that's too good. Like I have to do it now. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was just this like fun, quirky thing. It was just going to be a one-time thing. And then the next year, some of my girlfriends wanted to join in and I totally thought, I thought, okay, they they must also be bored or humoring me. Like, what good friends? You know, I have good uh-huh. friends that will humor me on this, like, idea that I had. But then the next year, some of their girlfriends wanted to join in, who I didn't actually even know personally. Hmm. And that's kind of when I started thinking, like, oh, there's, like, this is a good idea. Like, there could be more to this. And mm-hmm. maybe I could add a layer to this or add some sort of cause to this. Um, I joke that I have a lot of bad ideas that never go anywhere. <laughs> I think we, um, I, I was just at a business conference not too long ago, and one of the presenters said, yeah, kind of how you, you know, make impact in life and how you end up finding good ideas is you have about 10 bad ideas, and then every 10th idea oh, tends yeah. to work out. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. And I'd say that's a pretty good ratio. If you're having one good idea for every 10 bad ideas, I think it's just great to be like ideating regardless. You know, it's, a mm-hmm. good, it's good for your brain. It's good for your for your spirit to just be creating and ideating for the sake of ideation. And so, um, yeah, I was coming up with all sorts of crafts and projects and recipes and just things that would like flop all the time mm-hmm. or just not go anywhere beyond my own like sort of immediate enjoyment mm-hmm. that then when it was like, oh, people who don't know me like this, like people want to do this and they don't, they don't even know me or feel like obligated to do it because of being my friend or anything like mm-hmm. that. I really, I, I knew to recognize it as a good idea. So, yeah, that's when I started dreaming about what more it could be. And I was really dubious about, like, you know, a a friend of mine was like, oh, you could turn it into a campaign, maybe raise some money. And I was like, that would never work. You know, we are are not running a marathon. We are just getting dressed. Like, no one is going to donate. And so it took me a few more years to really, like, marinate on it and finally get up the guts to to try doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was... The fifth year of Dressember, I guess we had four years of just a style challenge. And then in the fifth year, I went out on a limb and was like, okay, I'm going to align Dressember with anti-trafficking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that's the thing I was 
super passionate about and continue to be passionate about, but had been really frustrated for years because I felt like there was nothing that I, as an ordinary person, uh, as a student and mm-hmm. um, an English major, could do to engage in the issue. And so I thought, okay, maybe this is my chance to engage in this issue in a significant way. Mm-hmm. And I set a goal that we would try to raise $25,000, which felt bananas. I was yeah. like, this is crazy. Like, this is so bold and ambitious and frankly scary. Like, this could totally flop and I could look really dumb. And then we ended up we ended up raising $25,000 in three days. Oh, my goodness. And wow. Yeah, we ended up raising $165,000 that first month. And I was just like on the floor, like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> what is happening? This is a much better yes. idea than I realized. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And since then, it just has grown so much. Last year, we exceeded our $2 million goal. And we've, now we have, let's see, we've had about 8,000 men and women register across six continents. So we, we've had this, like, growing thriving community of people who wow. have been looking for a way to engage in this issue. So I who really, you know, it. felt, feel the way that I felt, mm-hmm. which is like, what, what can I do as a quote unquote normal person who's not a social worker or a cop or a lawyer mm-hmm. or a psychologist, mm-hmm. but who feels passionate about this issue. And, you know, I mentioned that this was like going to be my way. <laughs> this was going to mm-hmm. be my way to contribute to this fight. And it's just so humbling because, it ended up being a lot of people's way mm-hmm. to to engage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just feel so lucky that I get to lead this community of, of people. I think it's incredible. You know, it's so funny because I didn't realize this started, you said, while you were a student in college, correct? Yeah. See, I, it's so amazing. This is crazy because I didn't really know the backstory. But I resonate with that so much. And I loved what you said about what if this looks dumb or what if people see me starting small and having these ambitious goals and (laughs) judging that or it flopping, you know, that's, I think, the biggest fear. And it's so funny because when I was a college student, I started a small store, an Etsy store, literally only as a fun creative outlet because I was kind of bored of schoolwork, you know? Mm -hmm. And my husband now, boyfriend at the time, he basically saw that I was doing this little crafting and hand lettering. And he said, you know, you ought to do something with that. I think that'd be a really good creative outlet for you if you did it more consistently because, you know, you're kicking butt at school and you're working really hard and you don't have any kind of just release and creative release. And I was like, well, that's a good idea. And so I just, for fun, for me, you know, just to kind of enjoy it, started a little Etsy store put some, you know, little paper that I doodled on and put it on Etsy and somebody ended up buying it. And I was shocked. I was a little like nervous to even do that because I thought all my sorority sisters are going to think I'm nuts, you know. And then, of course, that narrative continued. But what was weird is it continued to grow. I would get more and more orders. And I'm just this college kid answering, you know, customer support emails from biology class or, you know, whatever class I was in. And I just felt so dopey in so many ways. I was like, this is so silly. I mean, because I think it still felt so like grassroots to me, you know, and just it's like my fun project. Mm -hmm. But now I have to like recruit other people to help me. And my favorite part of this whole story and why I resonate with your heart is partially because of the grassroots beginnings and just personal creative fun that can evolve into something really impactful because 
our profit from that shop, one of the biggest things from all that happened with, you know, I just gave it a name. I called it Soul Scripts because it was meant to be something for your soul. We, you know, put towards women who are coming out of crisis situations. And we've been able to partner with different organizations in our local area that serve women coming out of trafficking. And so getting to use the funds and the revenue that comes from just a very simple idea and that has evolved and grown into something so much bigger to give back to that very same cause when I saw your story, I was like, oh my gosh, I resonate with your heart so much. And I've Mm. been in that space in many ways and share similar passions for restoring dignity and freedom to women through whatever craft or creative idea or gifting that we have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I love what you said about like not being afraid to start small or Mm. I guess kind of pushing through maybe the embarrassment of like, oh, it's really small or, Mm -hmm. you know, is this going to be anything that kind of like hopeful thought or or even just believing in your idea enough that like, okay, this is worth it. Like, this is where we start. And I don't know if you had this experience, but like responding to those like customer service emails and having to sort of pretend that you're bigger than you are, you know, like, (laughs) oh, like, you know, we, we have a small team. Like, I just remember using the word we like long Uh before there was ever someone else. And yeah, that that idea is sort of the fake it till you make it, but also I think just believing in it Mm -hmm. until you know, kind of having a vision for it. So mm-hmm. like, this is gonna, this is going to get bigger and it's going to be important in the lives of other people. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I've sent a, we know what we're doing type email. <laughs> <laughs> we're, Jay, <laughs> I literally don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to say that we do. Oh yeah, absolutely. One time, I'll never forget, one time I had a, a woman who was really angry because a product was damaged or something. And I, I was like, okay. And I'm pretty sure I either Googled or I asked somebody or whatever. I was like, or maybe looked in my inbox for a customer service email that I had received and then basically like replicated. <laughs> Um, I was like, I've got to figure this out, you know? So I, and I think, you know, while you want to be honest with everything that you're doing, I think there's this element of like, this is a we, because I believe this is bigger than me. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't physically have four or five team members right now, I believe that this is going to be something that is going to require a team. And honestly, you know, you did have a weeb. They might not have been paid employees, but and, and same, same, same thing for me. I paid my roommates and pizza, but hey, they were part of the process, you know? So yeah, I true. totally understand that feeling. <laughs> so, so you kind of stumbled into this. When was the shift when things started to kind of be recognized and, you know, you have this passion fighting for women for freedom or for their freedom and dignity And when did it start to go, okay, this is really catching on? Was it after that first year or what? Do you have any milestone moments that you remember in this process? You know, I think, I think day three, when we hit my, like my huge pie in the sky goal, my Mm. like big scary goal, like from that moment on, I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is so much bigger than I realized. Mm. And like, I, that's when I started thinking like, this could be, this could be my whole career path, you know, mm-hmm. like this is, this, this is my calling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then it was a matter of like, how do I grow into that position? Mm-hmm. Um, because I was not ready for that at however old I was, 22 or, mm-hmm. um, yep. <laughs> you know, maybe been 27 when I actually aligned it with just with, um, trafficking. But anyway, in my twenties, I just, self-described late bloomer, you know, a bit, of the, a bit on the struggle bus for most of my 20s trying to figure it all out. And so then all of a sudden feeling plopped into this position of like, oh, I am potentially leading a thriving, like, global community of anti-trafficking 
activist a and how, like, how do how do I do that? Yeah, like oops, I started a movement. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. So from that point on, I was like, okay, well, who who are my examples? Mm. Which I don't know if you've had this experience, but it has been a little hard to find strong female leaders to either access or study or follow or research. I think that's changing a lot lately, but at the time mm-hmm. I was just like, man, there are so many business and leadership books just written by old white dudes mm-hmm. and they're all really tough to get through. And um, But I just, I just started absorbing everything I could from the leaders I knew in my life and through books and podcasts. And I'm, I'm still learning, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I think some of the, some of the leaders I respect most are those who continue learning and listening and remain curious. And I think it's really important for a movement and any organization or brand, like you have to remain Mm. adaptable and agile and not so locked in on like, okay, this is the plan. This is the vision. Like I have seen how my vision has to continue growing because Mm -hmm. sometimes, I mean, I've just seen how my vision is too small in many Mm -hmm. cases. I think, from day one with the $25,000 goal to, you know, several points along this journey where it's like, okay, I, I have to expand this vision and dream bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really exciting problem to have. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Each week, there's a 20-minute meal plan on the classic menu for when you really don't have more time than that. Enjoy not having to plan dinner, spend money on takeout for an easy night, or worry about gathering ingredients week after week. All the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. There are lots of one-pot recipes for seriously speedy cooking and minimal cleanup. Yes, please. Get delicious, filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and free shipping. My husband and I recently tried this out and we loved it. We are hooked on HelloFresh. For a total of $60 off, that's 20 bucks off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com slash SHE60 and enter the promo code SHE60. That's like receiving six meals for free or up to 50% off of three boxes. So go to HelloFresh.com slash SHE60 and enter the code SHE60 to get your first three boxes. Kind of following up with what you said that day one, thinking, you know, almost thinking too small or thinking, okay, my expectation is here. And I think what can start to happen is we can live into our expectation or we don't adapt to something that's beyond what we could even fathom. Sometimes people, um, when I'm in, whether it's marketing meetings or strategy meetings or any kind of meeting where you have to sit at a table, a lot of times I get the question, what's your five-year plan? And I often look at them. I said, well, this is probably the worst business response you could ever receive. Receive, but I don't have one. And I and I don't necessarily mean that in that I don't have a direction, you know, or that I don't have any kind of goals. I think that that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily what I'm saying, but I think we can get so trapped into our own five-year plans. Like you said, my vision was too small. And I think the same thing, if I look back and I said, okay, had I sat there and said, 
my five-year plan is to grow this shop until fill in the blank, right? And what's been crazy is because of that shop and out of that small shop and that movement has then created so many other things, as I'm sure you can, you know, resonate or relate to, that it's, yes, you have this thing that you started, this movement that's making an impact, but you've also been able to speak. You've also now had these other opportunities that have grown beyond just this specific thing. And I think what can happen is if we get too tightly, holding too tightly to our five-year plans or our 10-year plans or our three-year plans, while I think there's wisdom in planning, I was like, man, if I just sat there and said, this is my five-year plan, I'd still be selling mugs out of a storage closet. You know, like I would have thought way too small. And I think that's the danger that can come with our own expectations or self-doubt or fear or whatever it might be. I don't know if you resonate with that or if that makes sense, but at least that's been my experience. Oh, totally. I do tend to think pretty strategically, but when it comes to like putting it down on paper as far mm-hmm. as like, okay, this is the plan for the next five years. Mm-hmm. My board of directors actually really pushed me to make a five-year plan and I talked them into a three-year plan. <laughs> like, let's do at least a three-year and it changes every year. Like yeah. every year I make an updated three-year plan because things just, I mean, you can sort of set goals, like you said, and mm-hmm. kind of set a vision, but then it, you have to keep changing it. Um, And I think that's healthy. I think, yeah, like we, we can't know what, what things are going to look like in a year or let alone three years, five years. Mm -hmm. And I do, I do think it's really important to have goals and to have a vision, but definitely to be able to adapt with like, oh, things are looking different than, than I anticipated or hoped, whether for better or worse, but being able to like hold things kind of loosely enough that yeah. you then move with where the, the brand or the idea itself is, is taking you. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I have like one of those brains that loves to think strategy and numbers and mission and vision all in the same sentence. But I think what I've had to learn, at least through my experience, is I want to make a tentative five-year plan. Is kind of how I is kind of how I word mm-hmm. it now, or a tentative three-year plan with the expectation that it's going to totally exceed this, because that's all I've seen. That's all I've experienced. I when you walk mm-hmm. in your destiny, and when you're walking in. Um, just faith and fearlessness and tr- and just trusting that things are going to, and believing in what you're doing too, I think is the other thing. I think we can half hard. I, I see, feel, I just feel like I see so many people half-heartedly believing because they're afraid of being seen starting small, you know, or what's my, my aunt going to think, or my distant friend from college going to think when they see me stepping into this new role or trying this thing or putting myself out there in this way, or having this crazy idea of, I'm going to try to raise money for this or whatever it is. I think it's the crazy things. I often say the things that may feel like they're even kind of dumb, like this is not going to work out. You know, this is a crazy idea. This is ludicrous. I don't understand. I think those are the things that are really the doors to our destiny because even if they flop in that they don't happen how we thought they would, they often reveal something to us or teach us something that takes us to step two, right? And then the same thing happens at step two and it just like you build on failures and you build on challenges and then you build on some moments that just blow you out of the water, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I think that's what, I mean, that's what our 20s are for, especially 20s mm. and 30s. I think, like, just kind of figuring out, like, I think, what's that quote? Like, if you're not failing often, then you're not, you're I don't not know, trying or, or something. Or yeah. Trying enough. yeah mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I think that really, like, yeah, that really speaks to this idea of, of um, sort of the, like, mental or emotional enslavement mm-hmm. where you feel like, okay, I have this idea, I have this dream. 
but what if it's not good enough or what if mm-hmm. I'm not good enough to bring it to to life and mm-hmm. so I see so many women who are kind of trapped in like they hold on to those dreams for years literally mm-hmm. years um, and never really go for it mm-hmm. and I think it's it's fear you know it's mm-hmm. like I'm not enough this idea isn't good enough or like I need the safety of of my my job or the way people see me now or you know fill mm-hmm. in the blank and I think like you said like when we're when we're willing to step towards an idea and kind of let go of the fear or feel the fear and go anyway mm-hmm. um that that's where the magic happens when mm-hmm. we're sort of willing to look silly for the sake of this dream mm-hmm. And it may not happen, but you still end up walking through a door that's going to lead you somewhere else. Right. It's sometimes a connection point. Sometimes it's not the end. It's not the, you know, the it's written across the sky and it's so obvious, but it could be a checkpoint, you know, along the journey. Like, okay, next step. And another thing that I'll say, too, is I think that can happen a lot. But what I've also seen is a lot of people feeling stuck because they're stuck behind unfigured out dreams. Kind of like this, Mm -hmm. everyone talks about this dream and, you know, my dream is to go to med school or my dream is to become a doctor or my dream is to start this nonprofit movement and, you know, impact thousands of lives or whatever, fill in the blank the dream is. It doesn't always have to be necessarily a creative or, you know, um, nonprofit or business oriented type thing. But regardless, I think what can happen is I think we are inundated in a culture that provides so many ideas, which I think can be absolutely fantastic. But I think now it's either two things that can really hold us back, fear of what, you know, failure and everything that we just talked about. But also I think this feeling of everyone else has their dream figured out and I don't even know what I want to eat on Tuesday or do on Tuesday, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. that can be so debilitating too. Instead of just saying, well, if I don't have anything figured out, maybe I'll just take a risk and just try some things and see if I land on something I like, see if something stands out to me, see if something moves me, you know? And I think it's fear of even trying to figure out what that step could be because we're fearful of trying, right? Um, so it all comes back yeah. to this thing of fi- this uh, this sense of failure or insignificance or whatever it might be. But I think unfigured out dreams is something that we don't really talk about much. We often address those who are sitting on dreams, but there's also so many who are not even standing up to try to discover any. But kind of speaking into this feeling or fear of failure, do you have any experiences throughout this journey? I mean, this has been quite the wild ride, I'm sure, of building a $5 million plus, you know, nonprofit foundation that has impacted tons of lives and been featured on huge media outlets and just really started to gain some traction. But along the way, have you experienced a failure or any type of setback that just felt like, should I keep going? Or am I doing something wrong? Have you ever experienced something like that? Oh, yeah. I would say that describes most of my, like, journey from adolescence to adulthood, actually. Like, (laughs) most of my pre-December life was just like, wow, I am not, um, I am not enough, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I could give you so many examples. I, I was fired from my first job. Mm. <laughs> um, I had this like long time crush in high school and worked up the courage to ask him to Sadie Hawkins. He said no, and that just crushed me. I like had my first boyfriend when I was eighteen, which I actually really recommend, but girls wait as long as possible to date. <laughs> but anyway, I sleep I had my first boyfriend at eighteen and we dated for two years and I thought he was the love of my life and then he broke up with me all of a sudden in an email. An and email breakup. That's a new one. I haven't, haven't heard email. of one of those. Well, I've heard you know, text messaging wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if it had been, it would have been a text message. But 
but just still. all like sort of these like reiterations of like, okay, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm, I'm almost enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I that, think that, that just hits home a lot. with so many, I'm almost enough. I can basically believe that I'm enough, but there's this 17% that's just not cutting it. You know, like that is such a good way to put it because we talk about not feeling like enough all the time, but I think the issue is even more specifically, we almost think we're almost enough. (laughs) Yeah. And for like, you know, a lot of my journey over the last several years, I'm a huge advocate for counseling. And so in counseling, like a lot of the journey is believing that I'm enough. And Mm -hmm. actually recently I've sort of come to this realization, I don't know if this will last for me or if it's helpful for anyone else, but I sort of actually realized it's like maybe instead of fighting this, like, I'm not enough with like, no, I am enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. It's like, you know, maybe I'm not enough and maybe that's the point, you know, mm. like maybe no one's, no one's enough. Like no one can do everything. No one right. can be everything. And that's okay. And that there's actually something beautiful about that. Mm-hmm. Like the man that I married, like he we dated for so long and there were just, there were no surprises by the time we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was like, okay, he has seen all my shortcomings and, and I've seen his and we we're choosing to love each other yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of like, yeah, you're not perfect. You're not, I mean, I think you can interchange enough with perfect essentially. It's where we're striving for perfection. And it's like, no, it's true. Like I, I'm not going to be enough every moment in every situation for every person and and that is okay Mm -hmm. and that's actually brought me a lot of peace lately because I have felt like I am striving towards again like believing that I'm enough Mm -hmm. um but I think there's a a crucial difference at the same time of deciding like okay it's not just that I'm not enough but no one is enough you Mm -hmm. know it's Mm -hmm. not I think for years I was like everyone else is out there and they're enough they're capable, they're yeah. thriving, they're killing it. And something about me specifically, only me, is not is not measuring up. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I don't know if that no, resonates that totally, with you. Hopefully it's helpful for others. Absolutely. I think it's such an important mindset shift and heart shift because, I again, we live in a culture that inundates us with this inspiration or quote-unquote inspiring message, you're enough, you're enough, you're enough. And then I think we don't actually believe that because we know we can't do enough. We can never do enough to prove ourselves. We can never do enough to be fully satisfied with like, like until we get up to the point where we're like, you know what? Actually, I'm not superwoman, but I can be a strong woman. I'm not perfect, okay. but mm-hmm. I can live out of purpose. I'm not, you know, fill in the blank. So I think it's almost having peace with I wrote this down the other day. I'm going to read it. It says, it's not your fault that you can't do everything, right? We're humans, not machines. Um, It's not your fault Mm -hmm. that you can't do everything, but it is your fault if you try to. Almost meaning like if you're trying to force your enoughness to put your stamp on the world and live under this pressure to prove that like, look at me, everybody, I'm enough, or even to yourself. I got it. I did everything. I balanced every plate today. Nothing dropped. It's almost like you are literally living out of a place of pressure and people pleasing and perfectionism, Mm -hmm. not purpose and not just, I'm going to fumble my way through this one and see what happens and just show up anyway, you know? And so I think we have to take responsibility for sometimes we try so hard to be enough or quote unquote, you know, be enough, but also what that's really trying to do is be everything um, and say, I'm not everything and I can't be everything to everyone, but it just doesn't work like that. And that's okay because that's where freedom comes. Preach. 
<laughs> You're, yeah, this is this is good. I, I love that you brought that up because I think so many women who feel like I'm the almost girl, you know, I'm almost enough and then someone gets picked over me or I'm almost likable or whatever and then that guy dates my friend or whatever the thing is. or And, and I think that's what can really stop us or hold us back from trying things and discovering our dreams if we don't quite have them figured out. So... Uh, I just love your story and just how much I resonate with your, you know, grassroots beginnings and just a simple idea for yourself and how much it's bloomed into. It's absolutely beautiful. And I love the way you're impacting women across the world. Um, before we wrap up, would you mind sharing with our listeners, maybe, maybe you know, for the listener, the gal that's been feeling the stirring or just feeling very stuck or unsure of where she's headed or just wrestling with unfigured out dreams and fumbling through failures, um, do you have any word of encouragement for her or something that she can maybe put into action today, some tangible piece of advice that might help her get out of the rut she feels stuck in? Yeah, you know, I do resonate with that, that like the unfigured out dreams or the past that seems so confusing or winding or unclear. Mm-hmm. I had so many jobs and roles that just felt totally unrelated and disconnected. I mean, a lot of friends who were like, oh, A to B to C to B to now I'm an accountant or, you know, like something very <laughs> mm-hmm. like linear. And I was like, damn, my path is not linear. And that felt wrong for so long. Mm. But then I look back and I think, you know, for years I thought I had to choose between this like vague but powerful passion for women mm. and my what felt by comparison sort of shallow interest in fashion and wordplay and writing. And, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time I thought I wanted to be an editor at a fashion magazine. And I was like, how do these two things possibly connect? And how do all the different jobs and roles I've had add up to this career that I think I want, but I'm not even sure if I want. Um, and then in hindsight, looking back and seeing like, okay, I, I didn't have to choose, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to choose between my, my big passion and my skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to find a way to, to bridge those things. Um, so I think for someone who's still kind of in it and it's murky and it's confusing, the, the best thing I think I could say is you've got to keep going and be patient. And I think we're so hard on ourselves. You know, we want things to happen really fast. We want to have a really clear vision and direction, and it doesn't always work out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it takes a different amount of time for different people. And so for me, it was like learning not to compare my journey to someone else's Mm -hmm. where, oh, how come she has got it all figured out so quickly and I'm still over here you know, scrounging and struggling my way through. (laughs) Working in a coffee shop for four Mm -hmm. years or whatever, you know. Um, Yeah. And and then I think also just being willing to kind of get creative when we look at our own journey as well, thinking like, okay, well, how can these things actually connect? You know, Mm -hmm. like what did I take away from job X? And what am I learning from this current role that I'm in? And and what am I gathering here? And and what are my, my, my big passions that don't seem to line up with my individual skill set and like what could possibly happen there. Because I think there's some amazing things that people are doing right now where they're connecting seemingly dissimilar things like, you know, all these social impact brands where like connecting jewelry making with homelessness or cooking with foster care or, you know, just all these different amazing bridges between what we thought of as potentially dissimilar um, careers or pathways or vocations. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I would, yeah, I would just offer the, the encouragement to dream outside the box a bit 
and and see, you know, okay, maybe maybe my pathway isn't linear because it's actually it's it's bigger than mm-hmm. the vision I have for it currently. But mm-hmm. it's it's actually this huge, beautiful treasure map. I love it. Dream outside the box. Everybody tweet that. <laughs> remember it, write it down, <laughs> stick it on your mirror, put it on your car dashboard and remember that because I think that allows us to really grow and not only grow and dream for ourselves, but dream for a better world and to really make an impact. And that's what it's all about, right? <laughs> yeah. And lastly, can you tell us where we can get involved? How can any listener who wants to do Dress Ember or get involved in this organization and this movement that you've created and make an impact, what what does that look like? What can they do? Where can they go? And how can they find you? Yeah, so you can sign up in a matter of minutes on dressember.org. Um, you create a free campaign page, set a goal based on how much you, uh, the sort of impact you want to have, and we have some suggested amounts. You can also create a team and um, participate in Dressember as a team, which is really fun. And then you just share your page link with everyone you know, you know, via email, social media, however, and let everyone in your life know this is what I'm doing. I'm going to dress every day in December because I care about anti-trafficking. And I would even recommend sharing why why this issue matters to you personally. That is usually, you know, a really compelling thing to share with people. And then um, it's amazing because you'll you should start seeing the donations pour in from people who love you and want to support you and your passion. Um, and or who also want to see an end to modern-day slavery. Mm, That's awesome. Y'all go over to dressember.org and sign up, get a team together, be a part of this movement this December. I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. And I'm so, so glad that you get to have a chance to hop in and get involved if you didn't know about Dressember before. Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Blythe. It's been such a blessing to get to hear a bit of your story and I know it's going to impact and encourage so many. So, Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you. I feel encouraged, and hopefully our conversation will encourage many other women as well. Absolutely. I know that it will. <laughs> it's been <laughs> great to chat. Talk to you soon, girl. Okay, bye. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. This show is a part of the Lasting Media Network and produced by John Fender, Jason Barrett, and Jonas Litton with the help of Jackson Willis. Visit lastingmediagroup.com to learn more. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. 
We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.